TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Magnuson Ford. One minute west of Seven Oaks Shopping Center in beautiful downtown Abbotsford. Online at magnusonford.com. Time to go rink wide on TSN 1040. Now here's JD Berg and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. J.D., so much hockey news we- this week. So much. Yes. Players on the ice at Rogers Arena. Players getting bottle service at Celebrities. I was going to say uh, players Labor- getting iced. You know. <laughs> Dad, that would have been even better. Yeah. Can no. we do, do take two on this? No, it's live? Okay, never mind. Uh, players testing positive. In St. Louis, we got a new CBA. Mm-hmm. We've got the infrastructure in place of what the phase three and four is going to look like. We know about salary cap. Boy, we got a lot to get to. But on today's show, we have Harmon Dow is going to join us. At one, is this like three weeks in a row for Harm? Is, is Drance? No, are, no. We is had, Drance are too big for us nowadays? We, we had Drance. Actually, no. What? No, You're we right. had Harmon last week. That's right. I mean, Drance is a coward. Is he? He's big time now, right? Like oh, he's yeah, doing yeah. PM drive. He's well. I know. mean, like his obsequiousness to power is finally play, uh, paid off. Trev is finally kind of rewarding him for all his brown nosing. So now he's got no time left for the rest of us. That's the way I see it. When are you going to get uh, that reward anyway? Oh, that's a, that's for another show, I guess. Uh, Tony Gallagher going to join us as well. Thanks it's, for that. Andy. I love being able to piss off JD. I love it. Uh, Tony Gallagher is going to join us as well. Hockey Hall of Fame member. Yes. Now, uh, actually, I lied. Tony already joined us. We taped it this morning. Mm-hmm. Tony's got a busy weekend. We want. We don't want to keep him. No, of course but, not. But, w- I mean, let, let's start there. I mean, think about how blessed we have been here in the Vancouver market mm-hmm. to have, you know, writers like Tony, Jason Botchford. J.D. And then, Burke. And, and, and nowadays, you know, Thomas Drance. I mean, you love Thomas Drance, right? Mm. You love, but I mean, Coos. I mean, we've had so many good guys over the years here that, you know, bringing us this hockey team, bringing us these stories that surround this hockey team. And, uh, Tony, of course, going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I would love to see Botch one day going to the Hockey oh, Hall of Fame. That's a no brainer. Is me. it though? I wonder though. I, I, of like, course for, it is. For all of us, it a hundred percent is. I just wonder if the, the folks back east will give him his due. Well, there is a strong Toronto bias in media, Andrew, and actually, you're you're a part. That of, scared the crap out of me. Actually, you are a part of the Toronto media I'm not, complex. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Lived here for 21 years. Yeah. Totally cool. And I so, wasn't even working in media when I lived in Toronto. For sure. I moved here at 19. I I, I lived in Whistler for three years. 100%. Like I had nothing yeah. to do with media back then. Sure. And so here's the thing, though, that makes Botch transcendent. Okay. Not going to listen to anything of, I just said there, but okay. No. Uh, a lot of people out east would stay up for the athletes, for the Provies. Yeah. I remember talking to Sarah Sivian, and she told me that she would read every single edition of the athletes, of the Provies, if it meant staying up a couple hours later, if it meant getting up earlier to find time for it. And that, to me, like, we're talking about somebody who is in Carolina, Three divisions apart from the Canucks. Three time zones apart from the Canucks. And I know that she was not alone in this. Right? How many writers... But look at how many years it took Tony G. How many writers can attest to that, to having that sort of reach as a beat writer? Hey, listen, you're preaching to the choir here. Like, I 100% support it. 
I just, I, I just wonder. I just wonder. It took, I, I think everybody. How long it took Tony. We asked Tony in the interview. He even said, "I at this point, I thought it wasn't going to happen anymore." And well, then it did, and it. Don't get me wrong; it's rightfully deserved. Oh, 100%. Tony's a legend, hundred percent. But I, I, I do think that, you know, I, I remember, uh, of course, like a, just a horrifically sad moment when we lost Jason, right? But of course, in in listening to a lot of the media coverage in the following weeks, the following month, it was common that you would hear from people out east, big names, that they would read the Athletics, they would read the Provies. And again, I, I feel like that is the ultimate testament to his legacy. Yeah. Right? Is is that you can reach other markets. Yeah, like he changed the landscape of the whole thing. Like you transcend like, like, your boundaries. Yeah, like he, he brought that new digital media, uh, you know, and, and he just... He, he made it better basically he made mm-hmm. it he he people are now using his sort of infrastructure that he created oh 100 uh and it's amazing so yeah no I, I think if we did a poll question it would be 100 percent. like yeah nobody would vote against and him. i would hunt down anybody who voted who no. say absolutely like i would go to their door <laughs> i would be like a televangelist calling them uh sir i would ask that you kindly reconsider how horrifically wrong you are on this issue no it's a total layup yeah. and anybody who says otherwise is an absolute philistine but again like i mentioned and uh, we just we've been blessed in this market to have so many great writers and uh, Tony uh, maybe the head of that as well. So uh, congratulations to Tony Gallagher. We're going to talk to him at two o'clock. So no, I want to. We got stay a text here from from Grant and Victoria. All the writers you talked about and not one mention of Jeff Patterson. Oh, excuse me. That, that would have no, been of course that would have been Andrew's mistake. No. I would have mentioned Jeff Patterson. Well, J-, J Pat and I are like J Pat's amazing. Like J Pat, oh, yeah. you, you know, he's so fearless. Like he carries on that legacy of a Tony yes, Gallagher exactly. of a Jason Bosch. Exactly, and that's what I like about our market here is that we do have these guys that are willing to I, I don't want to say take risks. I just think do the job correctly. Some guys are are scared to maybe be that. You know, Matt Sakaris was a good example of that mm. as well. He's another guy that yeah, who uh, likes Matt. <laughs> I, I like Matt. I mean, I, I, come on, we we all love Matt. But come Matt on. is a prime example of that yeah, during yeah, yeah. his days uh, at the uh, uh, newspaper of record. By the way, a uh, Globe and Mail. If yeah, you didn't yeah, know yeah. that he, he graduated from yeah. Laude. But again, yeah, no. And to the texter, was it Grant and Victoria? Sorry, uh, Grant, you're absolutely right. I mean, J Pat. Is brilliant at his job as well. So uh, we've just been uh, lucky to have so many great guys covering this team. And, and you know, when you want to dig into great, you know, Canuck stories, you know the best ones start at celebrities, right? Used to be at the Roxy. Nowadays, it's celebrities, and that's where we'll start with our Canucks coverage here. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't say this because, like, there are a lot of people. Oh, boy. No, no, no! Bear with me, bear with me. But Trevor like, on uh, T Mart on line one here. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's waiting he's for it. He's got a direct line. Actually, oh, he does actually. He's got a chip implanted. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's like basically my backyard. You know, all the stalkers out there, all the big fans, you know where to find me now. <laughs> and it's so funny for me to contemplate this moment because it's like. I was a two-minute walk from just being able to hang out with my boy Jake. <laughs> like, but okay, but, okay. but like, the, let's play. I'll play devil's advocate here and say that he didn't really do anything wrong. Like, well, you're, you're allowed to go to uh, these nightclubs nowadays. Apparently, they are taking all the uh, required measurements to make sure people that are, are social distancing from one another. I did see in the video that some of the waitresses that were there, all of the waitresses that were there, mm-hmm. all had masks on. Uh, you don't have to wear masks. It, it, you know, I'm going to assume the guys that he was with are part of his bubble of you know friends that he stays around because they were pretty you know, I mean, close Jake, to each other. And lastly, the hat was pretty badass. 
I mean, the Jake worst crew ever had was pretty badass because Brandon Leipzig's an idiot. So I mean, yes, good shot there. But like, yeah, I'm I'm sure that those people are specifically part of Jake Vertanen's bubble, and we know that he's taking the proper precautions and he's thought this through for sure. I mean, here's what I will say: it's not necessarily as though he did something wrong. Right, and I don't think we need to rush to castigate him for for doing this. I just think it's really an act of poor judgment on two different levels. Two different levels. Hear me out. Chris Faber, friend of the show, even if he's got the white claw hierarchy completely wrong, still a friend of the show. Things are terrible. Coward. Uh, things are terrible. They're delicious. I'm sorry. So he posted. Drink a beer. Like just drink a beer. Stop trying to be like lose weight as a guy. Just drink a beer and go for a run. Well, try to convince me that this thing is good. Sorry, sorry, can, I, can I get a can I get a word in? Yeah, go ahead. Can I get a word in? Okay, okay thank you. Uh, Chris Faber posted the requirements for booking uh, time or a table, what have you, at celebrities. And the thing that struck me was that this doesn't appear fun. Like, who would enjoy this? Like, <laughs> I have to agree with you. You're that. a millionaire, dude. Yeah. Like, just set up shop at like English like, Bay with a couple beers and some of the homies. Like, as someone who has, I have DJed at celebrities. It's one of the better uh, clubs to play at. But at the same time, I I recognize that people that as I used to be in that field. Don't so, you think it's a little bit different now? Though? Of course. And but what I'm trying to say is that I understand why a club like that is open, and I understand that people need to work. You know, I was in that before. So, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. Like. It doesn't look like fun. That did no not dance floor, look like, fun. What's going on here? Everyone's kind of sitting around like, yo, <laughs> I see you over like, across the room. Okay, let's let's just address. <laughs> I got your number. Let's address the elephant <laughs> in the room here. I mean, clubs, you go to a club <laughs> to make new friends, if you catch us my drift. Yeah. You ain't making new friends in a That's pandemic. That's what I'm saying. What are you, like, tec- you texting each other like, I see you Are over you there sending a carrier pigeon <laughs> across the club? Like, come on, man. <laughs> right? Like, this no. does not sound fun. No, and I agree with you. Like, it just, uh, you know, and I know Sakaris pointed it out when they were debating it uh, during the week as well. Like, there's no food there. You know, like, you can see why people could go to a restaurant because you can get yourself a meal, you know, maybe have a couple drinks, a little socialization, then you're out of there. But, like, there's no food at this. You're going to drink. Yep. Essentially. Uh, the meeting of the people is going to be tough because mm-hmm. you're basically going to have to break some sort of social distancing guidelines at that point. I just imagine Jake getting hauled into one of those setups from uh, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's the exact opposite. They've got like the setup and there's a cage for the rest of his body, but there's just a cover for his mouth. <laughs> just wheeling him up to a table. <laughs> Clarice, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> Do you know who I am? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I see you wore the rose blouse. <laughs> you know, like, this just, it doesn't seem fun. I hear you. You know? I hear you. No, and the last place to me that, that, that I'd like to go to, and I, I'm still, I'm not Thomas Drance level uh, a paranoid. Uh, but ne- I'm, neurotic is the word yeah, that you're yeah. looking for. But I, I'm still, you know, I have been to uh, a brew pub recently. But it was, it was basically outdoors. Like we were, you know, and I was social distance and everything. So I felt comfortable there. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable in the nightclub. Plus, look at all that stuff we saw with um, uh, the Joker, Djokovic, and all his buddies out in, in, I believe it was in Serbia, where they were all at the club. And the next thing you know, everybody's, you know, got COVID all of a sudden. So go figure. Yeah, big surprise there. Uh, before we pivot on to uh, dropping the puck, uh, Canucks now on the ice at Rogers Arena. Uh, Elias Patterson just doing Elias Patterson type things out on the ice. God, it's just so amazing. Like, a sl- is there anything better watch to watch than a, a slow-mo gif 
of Elias Pettersson doing a one-timer. Like, it's just it's a thing of beauty, right? And yeah, Brock, okay. Brock Besser I out there as well. No, you can't. Uh, Chris, Chris Tanov out there as well. Troy Stetcher. By the way, some of those clips they showed, Stetcher looks good. Like, Stetcher looks like he's really put the work in while they had the time off. He here. always puts the work in. Yeah. Like, every single training camp, there's a story about how Troy Stetcher works so hard that he puked. Yeah. Like, this has happened twice. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, it's just like, as soon as we hear about cap troubles, and this is the hill that I will die on, and I've chosen so many different ones. Oh, I've gotta, so many. I've got to pick You've my... You've died all over the town. Like. <laughs> yeah, there are so many little JD corpses lying around, but I haven't <laughs> succumbed yet on this fight. I have not. And that is that Troy Stetcher provides more value than his contract will ever reflect and has immense value then as a surplus value player to the Canucks. And yet every time there's salary cap trouble, the first thing they'll point to is we can't have a credible <laughs> second pairing right shot defenseman on our third pair. Not if he's making three million. And it's like, how, how did we skip past the seven million dollars in fourth line centers? How did we skip past the Louis Erickson's? It's like as soon as salary cap trouble comes up, the team, through their proxies, puts out messages, and it's like, well, we're, we're going we're to have to summarily execute Troy Stetcher. <laughs> like, we have to clear his salary cap. We need to summarily execute him. It's like, why him? Why? Well, I'll tell like, you this what. This is the ultimate development success story. Yeah, it was a local kid. I mean, that's doing well. And yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, salary cap is part of the discussion that we're going to get into next as we drop the puck. Time to drop the puck and get updated on the top stories of the past week. One of the best intros on TSN 1040. Big news today. Sank for Sank. Sank Faravelli, I almost said. Sure. Frank Saravelli today informing us this. We've got basically the critical dates put into place. For training camps to open. So basically for phase three and phase four of the NHL's return to play uh, to kick in. Now, mind you, the players still need to sign off on this fake as well. Fake phase three and fake phase yeah, four. Sure. Yep. But, but I know Mr. Sunshine over there. Yeah. Okay, training camp scheduled to open on July 13th. Teams slated to arrive at the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton. Of course, we found that out this week as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, with games scheduled to be played August 1st. So draft lottery... Sweepstakes, so the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes, mm -hmm. uh, will be held on August 10th. So that means there's nine days. Johnny Abbott pointed this out while we were uh, doing our hit earlier on Sports Saturday. Nine days to get a five-game series in. Mm -hmm. That's going to be tough. tough Johnny Abbott, who is number one in my co-host that I've worked with power rankings, sure. I should make clear. Sure. Great dude. And, yeah, I mean, it's nine days for five games. Like, oof, that's, that's rough, man. Yeah. That's going to mean some back-to-backs, which we don't usually see in the playoffs. Players can opt out if they want. There's no penalty. You don't have to have a medical reason. You can just be like, you know what? I don't want to play. Hey, Louis Erickson, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you can opt out, Louis. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be nice if, like, the rest <laughs> of the world could do that? Like, I actually think I would love to opt out of my job and just keep getting paid right now. No, I wouldn't because I, I love all of my jobs, right? Even if my, my Twitter persona exudes the exact opposite and a seeming willingness to jump off that cliff. But, like, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be nice if, if let's say you're one of these people in a, a state in the United States where you're getting no support from your government and it's like, yeah, you know what? I don't really want to walk into the meat grinder of capital while there's a virus. Wouldn't that be nice? Which is my way of saying, in a roundabout way, that the NHL is getting this right. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And especially since they, they, you know, they decided to do it all in Canada. I mean, we talked about it on this show. If it was here, yeah, so be it. It's not here. Yeah, good. But at least it's in Canada. At least they're going to be safe. And I mean, that's the key, right? You want to make sure the players are safe before everything else. I want safety over dollars. And I feel like the NHL has uh, walked that line as well. So good. Yeah, totally. Good on that. Well, for the time being, at least. We'll see for sure. what happens. But uh, so remember how July 1st used to mean something? Outside of. Yeah, sure. We could do that. Uh, Canada Day, of course. But for us hockey guys, yeah. free agency. Yeah. Well, circle November 1st now on your calendar. That's free agent frenzy day. That's when it's going to take love place. To see first it. time in league history, November 1st is going to be your free agency day. So there's a, a date to circle on your calendar as well. Uh, some more stuff from this today. New CBA, six years. So that means we got labor peace now uh, until 2025 at least. Um, and the salary caps upper limit will be frozen for the 2020-21 season at 81 and a half million dollars and this is where things are going to get dicey uh for the canucks you talked about you know contracts valuable contracts troy stetcher for instance boy they're gonna have to do a lot of stick handling to make this one work look they're just gonna have to forget troy they're gonna have to drop him off with another team tell him he's staying there for the week and then just never bring him back like (laughs) hey man this happens if you got salary cap trouble somebody has to be sacrificed it shouldn't be Troy. <laughs> I know it, it shouldn't. shouldn't, but it's Troy. always him who comes up first. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I I've always brought this up because there's been so much, um, there's been so many disagreements on la- the labor front within the NHL and the NHLPA. And one of the things that always occurred to me was, why can't we get in front of this? Why can't we negotiate before the deadline? You know, maybe kind of try and a work stoppage in any capacity. This this always seemed very obvious to me, and yet it's taken the 2020 CBA negotiations for us to finally get action ahead of the deadline. Yeah, I, I don't I don't care what it finally had to take. I think it's I'm glad they're doing it. I'm la- I'm yeah, glad yeah, they're being totally. progressive. Like the NHL is doing a lot of really good things in a really tough time right now. So you got to kind of yeah. give them the tip of the cap. And you know us, we're always. Uh, critical on the league, and they've done a lot of things that made you kind of scratch your head, but they got this one right. Um, as far as the sal- salary cap's concerned, well, I mean, listen, when you don't have revenue or not all your revenue has come in this year, um, they, they expected hockey-related revenues this year to be $4.8 billion. That was the uh, proje- projection for 2019 they are now 20. going to get $4.80. In so basically, $4. and this is from Sarah Valley's report as well, once hockey-related revenue rebounds to $4.8 billion, the upper limit will be calculated using a new formula that relies on the actual HRR from two seasons ago. So this is basically where the salary cap could head. So if you want to see it rise, it's probably going to take a little bit, at least just for them to basically pay catch-up at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least uh, w- one person in the inbox, and actually we could get to that as well. Uh, on the flip side of the Canucks being in a pinch, all teams around the league are in the same position. This potentially gives us a discount on Markstrom, Patterson, uh, Hughes. At the very least, they will sign bridge contracts to help the team prop the window open. What do you think? I, I agree with that. I, I agree with elements of that. I, I also think, though, that anybody who's trying to divine what the future holds is is playing a fool's game. Well, Patterson and Hughes are, you know, you'll get a break, but it's still going to be a big number. 
Like and, and you're and not getting a break. I don't if, think if you're going to get if that. They sign much. a bridge contract. You're just kicking the can. Yeah, down exactly. Yeah, you're just you're just like, you're, yeah. you're getting but something even a br- that resembles. What's a bridge, a bridge contract look like for Ilias Patterson? Like eight uh, a year? Jeez, would you be uh, lucky with that? You would be super lucky, with right? That, right. I mean, you're you're looking at a minimum of ten. Yeah. Has he outperformed Jack Eichel in the same period of the his career? Yes, absolutely. Jack Eichel is making ten. Yeah. One of the things, too, if you want to hit the whistle there, uh, the signing bonus limits. There's going to be no changes to the signing bonus system in the new CBA. During negotiations, the NHL was believed to have sought the limit signing bonuses to a maximum of 50% of the total contract compensation. So that's a good thing for teams that have money. Yes, I was going to say that that rewards. But I like that, and I talked to Abs about this. The NHL needs a soft cap to begin with anyway. There's no reason why teams that make money just because they make money should be on the same level playing field as the teams that basically are sucking the dollars from the other guys. Soft cap, NBA style, but for every dollar you go over, you know your penalties get more and more. And as you've seen over the years, NBA teams have spent, 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 and then have to go back down and then spend again. And it's good. It kind of it brings dollars into the system, but also allows those teams that are the guys that are making all the money to be able to do specific things, to you know, do different things. It's kind of funny. I thought that Rick Dollywall was the only agent proxy within <laughs> our ranks, but apparently we've got Andrew Wadden, who also works for Octagon Sports. Uh, I mean, hey, no comment. I mean, now I know how you're moonlighting. No, this but it. Uh, it makes sense to me. Like, I mean, when you see, I, I used to don't hit it, don't hit it, okay? But Austin Matthews is a prime example. I, I knew you're going to do it anyway. Pri- he's a prime example. His AAV is eleven six. You know how much he makes in signing bonus this year alone? Probably like eleven fifteen point two. But if you've got the dollars, and the Canucks will, they can do these sort of things, uh, sort of salary cap circumvention of sorts. They can do those sort of things because they should be allowed it. And the Rangers, same thing. Montreal, they could do it too. Listen, the Floridas can't do it. So what? Too bad. You're sucking the dollars from the guys that are bringing it anyway. I mean, then they turned around inside goalie Bob to a ridiculous contract last year. But I like this. I, I, I think it's good, and I'm glad the league didn't do it. I don't think they want to go soft cap like the NBA, and no. I think that's the reason why they conceded the to this. The toothpaste is already out of the tube. Like, I don't think that they're going to dramatically alter the, the shape of their salary cap and their collective bargaining. I think, I think we're past that point. But, you know, I, I think that allowing for the bonus structure to be as, as flexible as it is, it does create something of a competitive advantage for those teams anyway. So it is, in a sense, something of a luxury tax, even if it kind of has to, you know, wiggle its way around the, the edges, the margins to kind of foment and take place in the NHL. I, I, I think it's fine the way it is. Yeah. And yeah, we went over the no trade clause, no move clauses as well. I, I like that, mm-hmm. you know, how they carry over. I like that as well. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, again, for teams that want to try and get around that sort of stuff, because I don't like how they, how they throw around no moves and no trades to, to certain players. Like, GMs have to be better at that. They shouldn't just be throwing them around willy-nilly, and I think the fact that now they will stick to a player regardless of when they kick in is a great idea for the league. So I like all of that. Um, yeah, we're going to have to break here. Just want to get to a couple things in the inbox, though, before we move on. One of my friends. Yeah, well, hold on. Wow, I agree with JD. Uh, Troy is a great player on a valuable contract with a local tie, hard work ethic, and perfect professional 
A good show, boys. That's uh, Isha from wait, the wait, Co- wait. Comox Valley. Was he talking about me or Troy? Talking about Troy. No, I mean the hard work ethic and is a perfect professional. Well, he'd be lying if he was talking about that with you, so it's clearly about Troy Stetcher. Okay, just needed to have that clarified. Uh, also in the inbox here, this is Val from Victoria. Tony Gallagher had the guts. I never uh, remember Neil McRae rolling into the Canucks dressing room the very next day after giving them a verbal beating. I, I can't speak to that because I don't know how much McRae went into the dressing rooms back then, but uh, I can speak to the fact that, yeah, Tony G was not afraid to uh, put someone over the coals and then the next morning be right there in the locker room as well in the dressing room uh, going face-to-face with the players. So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. good text there from Val from Victoria. Keep them coming, guys. Text us at 104040. Email us live at tsn1040.ca. On the other side, it's Harmon Dial, I guess, in his usual spot now that Thomas Trance doesn't seem to be wanting to come on our show. I guess he's just got a little too big for us here on Rinkwide, but we'll take Harmon Dial in replacement, no problem whatsoever. This is Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. Now more of Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watt. Welcome back to Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. We're going to talk to Harmon Dahl from The Athletic in Vancouver in just a moment. Want to get you guys updated on what's happening with our poll question today. Maybe one of the better turnouts we've had for a poll. Close to 1,700 votes now, J.D. And maybe 17 of them are for me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, if I did the math. How many alts here. do I have? Well, one, let's, let's, two, let's let them know the question here. Okay. Who was slash is the biggest bleep disturber in Vancouver sports media? And the reason why we, I, I came up with this was because we talked to Tony Gallagher. You're going to hear the interview at 2 o'clock. And Tony described himself as a bit of a bleep disturber mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during his time covering the Canucks and covering the NHL. So I thought to myself, all right, well, who are the bigger bleep disturbers amongst sports media here in Vancouver? Tony Gallagher is at the top of that list. Hell yeah. The late Neil McRae. To me, yeah. was at the top of that list as well. The Whatever. late Jason Botchford, who's close to our next guest as well, was definitely at the top of that list. And then some guy named J.D. Burke as well that I thought I'd throw in there just to kind of stir up the pot. I have an interesting take on Well, this. can I tell them the numbers first, though? Okay, so, sure. Neil McRae leading right now, 36.9% of the vote. Botch is getting close to being caught by Tony G., but Botch is in second right now, 28.2%. Uh, J.D. Burke, as usual, is in last with 11.2% story of your life hear me out hear me out would it not be suggestive of the fact that i am the best bleep disturber because i am in last place it's reflective of how much bleep i have disturbed within this market that i would check in in last place do i have jd burke on the show or do i are you like a trump is your last name trump i will never let i will never let my beautiful boaters down this is (laughs) <laughs> You're on a Fourth of July. That's right. I got one of That's the Trump right. family. All right, let's uh, let's bring Harmon into the conversation. Harmon, let's start there. I, I I think you know. You're 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 a younger guy, so you might not be all that familiar with Neil McRae, but uh, definitely familiar with Tony Lucky Gallagher you. and Jason Botchford as well. Uh, where would your vote go? I, I'm assuming you might go with your uh, with your boy Botch, though. Yeah, uh, it's it's really difficult for me because even with uh, Tony G, an absolute legend in this market, I only caught the very tail end um, of uh, of his time in in media because um, 
I was I was so young, so it's it's tough for me to even even remember. But obviously, he's right. For me, he, him and Botcher are essentially neck and neck. Yeah. Um, it'd be I wouldn't be able to vote and, and choose between the two if if I'm being completely honest with you guys. Uh, they to me obviously lead the class, and then obviously Neil Neil McRae before my time, but uh, obviously uh, <laughs> I've heard uh, a lot of from a lot of people um, in, in terms of just how influential he was in the market. Uh, and then, of course, uh, our good friend JD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's there too. No, no, uh, no, don't interrupt him. He was just about to get started on a rant. No, that, about, that was that oh, was period. No. He was putting the period. At I, the end of that I sentence. heard a comma. No, I heard no, a comma. I heard a period. Uh, <laughs> uh, Harm, now number two of course, on my athletic Vancouver Power <laughs> ranking. Harmon Dial. <laughs> Wyatt has moved up. The Wyatt is number first. one. Yeah. Uh, Harm, of course, you know everybody knows how influential Jason Botchford was uh, to your career so far. But just uh, talk about Tony and. In terms of like you know being someone out there who was like fearless sort of writer was wasn't scared to rip a player and then be in the dressing room that morning to you know quote unquote face the music so to speak but i talked about it earlier here on the show just how blessed we've been to have these sort of icons of sports writers in our town in our city and then to have someone like yourself kind of coming up underneath that must be exciting for our young writer like yourself Absolutely, it sets the it sets the bar so high. And when you talk about um, Tony's just just how how fearless he was in his reporting style, and, and as you mentioned, the fact that uh, he's going to he's not afraid to rip someone. He's not afraid to give. He, he's going to give his hundred percent take out there without holding back. But then he's also there the next day to to face the music, and that to me it speaks to his integrity. It speaks to his courage. Uh, and and it's really what's made Vancouver such a unique market is every it seems every generation every step of the way we've had uh, that leading reporter out there who um, seeks the I guess it, for, from their perspective seeks the complete truth and isn't afraid to say what they have on their mind and to me having gone through that experience of now in, in my first year. Um, understanding the ins and outs of, of media, it's not always the easiest thing to do because you're always trying to juggle and manage relationships uh, and and you're going to inevitably piss off a lot of people. And to be able to manage that, to be able to still go out there and, and deliver uh, the best content for your readers, it's it's super impressive. And, and going through that, ex- through that experience so far this year makes me that much more appreciative of what, Tony was able to do or or what Bosch was able to do. Talking to Harmon Dial from The Athletic in Vancouver. Harmon, I wanted to ask you about your your most recent article in The Athletic Vancouver, and that was one looking at the worst signings of, I think, the salary cap era, or is this Canucks history? Yes, Canucks history. Of course it's Canucks history because it includes none other than the most infamous player in this franchise's history, which would be Mark Messier. Can you take us through the methodology of this article and perhaps some of the surprises that we found therein? Like, I I kind of figured Brad Ispister might be in the clear because it was so low leverage, right? 525k one year, but he still made the cut. Can you take us through your methodology here? Yeah, so I kind of just went through um, going back uh, through all the signings in, in the club's history and trying to trying to decipher which were the the club's worst UFA signings over uh, the long haul. And I, I think the biggest surprise to me was that there weren't that many big uh, there there weren't that many big mistakes. Like I expected uh, there to be a lot more candidates to, to choose from. 
Um, and, and as far as my methodology, I didn't want to pick deals that ultimately there, there were, didn't impact the, the club in a decisively negative way. So, for example, if you look at uh, the Jason Garrison signing, in retrospect, he obviously didn't pro- uh, provide a lot of value relative to his salary, but it was moved for a second-round pick. That didn't harm the club in any way. You look at uh, another example would be Marco Sturm. Disastrous six games in Vancouver, but moved to Florida for David Booth. Uh, that's another example. So what I found was, sure, at the top you had uh, Messier and, and Erickson leading, and, and those are your, your poster boys. But after that, it was actually a pretty thin crowd. And uh, and pretty soon you ended up in, in a territory where you were looking at uh, one-year deals. And from there, obviously, with a player like Brad Isbister or Byron Ritchie, uh, low-leverage signings, uh, the, the only reason I included them uh, as opposed to other potential candidates is because when you when you looked at, uh, for example, wins above replacement using a model such as my colleague Don Lushijans, you could see that they, dis- they, they that they were a really strong negative impact. So someone like Matt Bartkowski, for example, uh, he posted the second worst campaign single season campaign from from 2007 to to, to, to 2020 in a single season in Vancouver. Like out of almost 1,800 seasons that players have recorded over the last 13 years, second worst. He cost, he single-handedly cost the team uh, more than two wins. And so that was the sort of methodology I looked at on one-way deals was, okay, which players perhaps actively harmed the club after they were brought in? Uh, Harm, I don't know if you've uh, had a chance to go over what uh, looks like to, is a new uh, return to play or the next phases for return to play, but uh, hearing that training camps are now scheduled to open on July 13th and teams are, are going to start arriving in Toronto and Edmonton by the uh, 26th for games scheduled for August 1st with a draft lottery now on August 10th. So that play-in round, qualifying round, whatever you want to call it, is now basically I got a nine-day window to get all five games in there. Um, who do you think has the advantage for the Canucks in the wild when you have to condense you know, that series into those nine days? Yeah, there are a couple of mindsets to, to sort of think about this through in, in a couple of perspectives. One is that you look at Vancouver and, and their top players are obviously uh, younger and, and coming back from uh, a significant layoff. There's definitely people that I've spoken to that believe that will serve as an advantage uh, particularly when you look at how well the Canucks have done over the past few years. They always seem to get off to a hot October for for whatever reason. And whether that's just noise and, and luck or it's a coincidence or whether there's some actual merit to it and, and perhaps they just have a little bit more legs to them um, and can thrive early in the season when there's a little bit less structure. Uh, we obviously don't quite know yet, but um, the Vancouver's youth could be an advantage. But by that same token, Minnesota could also have an advantage in the sense that they've typically been a really strong defensive team in terms of having a tight structure right right from day one. And if you can come back and the fact that they're a veteran club that's played with each other a lot, right? Like this is this is a group that'll have chemistry. If they can tighten up their system really quickly, then obviously that's that's an advantage for them. So it's really really about weighing the the youth versus experience card here and and to me it's it's a real toss-up i mean i've I've tried to talk to scouts about this uh has tried to talk to scouts about this 
there are very differing opinions and they and, and they're based on those two theories about Vancouver's youth versus Minnesota's experience and perhaps them being dialed in from day one with their system and structure uh, quicker than maybe Vancouver. So uh, only time will tell, but uh, obviously five games trying to squeeze that into in, in, into nine days after such a long layoff, there are going to be so many extraneous variables at play here. Yeah, it's going to be kind of sluggish hockey, it feels like, maybe for the first couple of games while these uh, guys try to find their legs as well. But uh, uh, hopefully we get some exciting hockey in that series as well. The last thing I want to touch on you or touch with you is the uh, – uh, don't clip that, by the way. <laughs> NHL players <laughs> returning to the Olympics. Uh, I mean, just your thoughts on that. I had someone on the station the other day say they didn't like it. Was it Clutch? I think it was Clutchy. Well, it would be a noted coward because, I mean, like, <laughs> NHL participation in the Olympics is amazing. Clutchy says he just, just didn't care. I was like, I was like whoa. Well, I, he's wrong. Now, Harm, I, I'm going to assume that you're probably pretty excited about that news. 100%. Uh, I think half the fun in a lot of these uh, Olympic playing tournaments, aside from the best, aside from the part that it's best on best, and uh, a kind of a collection of elite talent going up against each other in a way where there are real stakes to it, not like an all-star game where it's best on best, but no one cares. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a treat to watch, and you you look back to, for example, the 2010 Olympics. I mean, look back to the memories that are created, and and I think half the fun really though is. Uh, the the year or so lead up to projecting the rosters and, and there's so so many interesting discussions and um, the the selection process and the debates like it it, it just makes for really fun uh, hockey fodder and uh, when you obviously get to the tournament itself so many storylines unfold I mean just to go back to that 2010 one for example you have Berder started in that Luongo takes over mid series you, you had I think the first game the Americans. Uh, kind of beat up uh, the the Canadians, and yeah. then of course you had uh, the, the the crazy final. So it's to to me it's best on best where stakes really matter, and and that's always uh, it, it's the highest class hockey in, in in my opinion, the purest form. Yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty cool to think how many Canucks could be playing in the yeah, Olympics as well. Yeah, I just want to touch on something. Uh, touch on. Um, the Olympics for me, one of the most. I, what are you trying to do here? We are, we already acknowledged that it was a slip up. We're gonna play it later on. Oh, yeah, I yeah, see yeah, Kroger yeah, I cutting it. I God. know. Um, touch with you is the. Uh... <laughs> you know what though, Harmon? Uh, for me, anyway, the Olympics were so special because of a player like. And this is gonna sound like a deep cut. This is gonna sound very random, but it's Rick Nash. Do you remember how he yeah. had to languish within Columbus? Never got to see the spotlight. Never got to play. Yeah. For never got to yeah. play in the prime time. Yeah. And you would have totally gone through his career without fully appreciating what a physical specimen he was and if the physical gifts. Yeah. If not for the Olympics, yeah. when it was a bigger ice surface, he had the ability to gain speed through the neutral zone. And I just think how many players might get lost in the weeds if we take that away over a prolonged stretch, right? Uh, Harmon, can you think of any other examples like that of, of a player that the Olympics kind of helped shine something of a spotlight on that might not otherwise have been readily apparent? It's tough to think of one off the top of my head, but one thing that always stands out to me in the Olympics is uh, a lot of these uh, a, lot, a lot of these teams that don't have a lot of talent and they maybe have one or two superstars and they go up against a juggernaut like a Russia or a U.S. or Canada. 
and just that single player seems to carry them. I remember, uh, I can't remember what year this was, but for I want to say it was Switzerland, and it was someone like Jonas Hiller just stood on his head and almost yes. single-handedly won the game against Canada. And it's to me, it's been so amazing that you can have a roster of uh, of twenty superstars on uh, on the ice, and and the other team maybe has one or two, and, and that club. While while the entire roster of superstars kind of underperforms, you'll you'll have that one player who the the entire opposition knows that that's your only hope of winning. Like Anze Kopitar in Slovenia is another example of this, but they just put the team on their back and and they and they give the 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 powerhouse a run for their money. So to me, that's always really interesting to watch as well. And, and I mean, even you go you go back to the World Cup of Hockey and how Team Europe. They came out of nowhere, and obviously they get, they got crushed uh, in the end there. But uh, that was obviously a, a huge Cinderella run. So to me, I, I always find that you, you see superstars on on nations that are a little underrepresented. Those guys all often shine uh, under the spotlight of the Olympics, and it's what makes it such a fantastic tournament because you have so many elements. You have guys like Nash, who who they aren't appreciated perhaps as much as they should because of the market they play in. They get to play alongside superstar talent. I mean, it's just it's such a spectacle, and and I'm I'm really jacked for jacked for it to come back. Well, this is far too uh, old for you two guys, and old for me as well. But Miracle on Ice, right there. I mean, there was a prime example of that. And yeah. was it Jim Jim Craig? I believe it was the goaltender for sure. the United States. I'll get Croker to look it up. But yeah, you have those moments, like, and we could see that again. Who knows? We could yeah, see Croker's it again. Croker's a little bit busy right now. That is right. He's cutting that audio to make me look like a fool on the other <laughs> side. Thanks, love that. Uh, Harm, thanks for joining. As always, uh, you know, this is basically your spot now that Thomas Drance's head's too big to show up on a weekend now. So we appreciate you coming in, on with us again, and we'll like. We'll have you again next weekend. Thanks, guys. Take right. care. That's Harmon Dahl Cheers. from The Athletic in, in Vancouver. Number two on my Athletic Vancouver Power Rankings. Boy, it's just like you are so sensitive, eh? Like as soon as How someone so? pisses you off, it's like, all right, cancel culture happens right there oh, wow. for you. I, I am the <laughs> I am the person who carries out cancel culture. Wait, did you look it up? Is it Jim Jim Craig, is, did I get the name right? I didn't like that. I can't remember. Miracle That's the Croker yeah, we that, know and Croker's tolerate. asleep over yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's like, he's working hard to get that uh, that clip there. You, you know we, what? We it's, heard that. It's, I'm going to take some of the pressure off you. Okay. I had like a very awkward slip like two weeks ago. So like it, right, ha- did, it You happened. said sex or, or something, didn't you? Uh, yeah. And it's yeah. not even like the first time too. It's just like for some reason trying to say success, like it just, yeah, yeah. yeah. it happens to everybody, but yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I am going to laugh at you today, sir. Yeah, sure. Well, it was Jim Craig. Yeah, perfect. There yeah. we go. I did get it right. All right. Uh, on the other side, we can dive into the inbox a bit as well, and we can open the phone lines. And listen, if nobody calls in, don't be hitting us up saying, oh, you guys aren't taking calls. More censorship from Some, the politically correct left. I will open the phone board right now, 604-280-1040-844-876-1040. Trev, if you're listening... Toll free. Hit us up. Text us 104040 live at tsn1040.ca is the email address. I will read some of your input on the other side. This is Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. You're listening to Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Uh, hopefully we get some exciting hockey in that series as well. The last thing I want to touch on you or touch with you is the uh, uh, don't clip that, by the way. <laughs> 
Yeah, thanks, Croker. Uh, we just thanks love it. That. We thanks love to see that. it. We you love guys, to hear it. We with love your to perfect hear it track record while talking for four hours. Oh wait, I'm sorry. You only have to talk for two hours. That's right. Yeah, I mean the people demand more. They want more no, JD Burke. They don't. Uh, in fact, the the they calls don't. are deafening sometimes. Yeah, well, there's no calls. Who'd when when Trev is is reaching out to me, it's a lot of people think that I'm getting in trouble, and maybe that's true, like one eighth of the time. But a lot of the time, it's just to talk about audience demand for more JD Burke. All lies. I swear to God, your last name's Trump. I swear to God. All lies. I look um, out for the beautiful boaters, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are radios on boats. Listen, we got a little bit of time. 604-280-1040-844-876-1040 is the toll-free number. If you want to get in, you can also uh, hit us up in the inbox. 1040-40 is the text line. Or email us live at tsn1040.ca. High in Victoria wants to know this, and, and she, they didn't say it towards anyone, so uh-huh, uh-huh, I'll just uh-huh. say this. If you had to pick uh, a time slot for a weekday show, what would you choose? For me, I'd like to have two. Now, and this is if I'm, I, I'm, I'm already on the drive show as the producer, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I got great hours. I love those hours. Yeah. But for me, it would be middays in the summer because then I can golf after work. I hear the phone. And uh, in the winter, it would be the drive show because I could snowboard uh, before work. So, yeah, perfect. I, I mean, you, you wouldn't get the option anyway, so oh, let's, uh, uh, let's not even have you answer it. So. I've, I've got a text in here, too. <laughs> Uh, your stick is getting really old. Oh, boy. Please back off just a bit. Check your ego. It's yeah, gross and hella happen. annoying. Hella? He used hella. What is this? 1998? Uh, uh, that was huge slang when I lived in California as okay. a kid. Uh, I want to keep listening, but I'm not sure how much more of this I can handle, and I know I'm not the only one. Ryan, the H2O distributor, a.k.a. Gary's dad. Hey, Ryan, I'm here too, right? Thanks, okay. Thanks like, for tuning in. I'm here too. You, that you can that just right there is the voice of another satisfied customer. Hit the mute button when JD talks and then unmute him when, when he's not. Uh, oh, look at this. Phone board lighting up. Let's go to line one. Jose in Vancouver, what's on your mind today? Jose. Sure. Hey, Commissar uh, T.D. Burke. Um, <laughs> what's the up? Reason, guys, I'm looking at the, the Canucks defense. And Sorry to hear that. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, Look well, at it through exactly, your fingers. <laughs> okay, so I, I went on to the athletic projections for Seattle expansion and players that may not be protected by other teams. And a few of them kind of came up. When I, I wonder what you guys thought. The Canucks actually made a deal to get these guys and you know, help a team not have to expose them so two and then also just a, co- a question regarding Jalen and chatfield your thoughts if you'll ever have a chance to play in vancouver so the first two players i looked at jake bean yeah. out of the carolina system and the other is brandon montour so jake bean brandon montour and then guys finally what does Jalen chatfield have to do to actually crack the roster one day Excellent. Thanks for the call there, Jose. We'll put you on hold so you can hear it. Uh, the chat field, I'm going to leave to you because that's yeah, your expertise. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that he's at an age where he is what he is. And what he is is a ninth or tenth defenseman. I, I think that ultimately the Canucks have they've called him up with a reason. They want to see what they have in this player. They know that he's getting towards the end of his, uh, his development arc as a prospect. And I, I just think that the franchise has seen what they have in him. And they've seen enough to make their determination. And that is that he's, at best, a quad-A player. If he's even that. But it's okay, too, though. I mean, you look at the Canucks. How many times have they gone through 10, 11, 12 defensemen? This isn't to say that he doesn't have value to the organization or within the organization. I think that having players like that who can move the puck, who can play solid defense, I'm happy to have a Jalen Chatfield be the 7th or ninth or 8th defenseman, whatever it is. But I just think that that is the upper limit when it comes to him. As for Jake Bean, it's interesting that he would come up because I know for a fact that 
uh, Jim Benning was very high on Jake Bean in his draft year. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe, if my intel is correct here, he was the second-ranked defensive prospect on the Canucks board uh, going into that draft. So, you know, I, I think that the organization certainly would have a great deal of interest in that player. Whether they can make it happen or not is another yeah. matter entirely. I mean, he just won an award, I believe, this year for being the best defenseman in the AHL. Yeah, 48 points in 59 games in the AHL. He, and that, that's coming off a of 44 and 70 season. He's definitely ready. His number right now, as far as his cap hit this year, was 1.3, or sorry, 800,000. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a player like that, as, as far as dollars are concerned, probably going to be tough to bring in a player like uh, Jake Bean, but uh, would have to see. And then uh, Steve Montador was the other uh, player I believe he was talking about there uh, as well. Uh, uh, Steve Montador is Or not is, Steve is, Montador, uh, sorry. Deceased, and, and we pay our respects <laughs> to Steve him. Not Steve Montador, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Montour. Yes. oh my God. Uh, you know what, he's <laughs> such a funny defenseman for me. I, I love watching him play. I don't know if I think that he's a value-added defenseman. Like yeah. I think he's a positive four or five, but yeah. I just love how how much reckless abandon with abandonment with which he plays like he's a fourth forward when yeah. he's out on the ice right yeah. like he's, he's a really interesting player but i don't think buffalo is in any hurry to get rid of useful defensemen in fact i think the plan would be to add more brandon montours okay i'll tell you what guys uh bill and surrey uncle we see you there as well hold other the line side. on the other side we'll get to your calls and jose thanks for that call uh steve montador might be tough for the canucks to get uh, nowadays though but on the other side we'll take some more of your phone calls we'll also hear from tony g himself hockey hall of famer tony gallagher your phone calls coming up next right here on rink wide it's the show that always scores tsn 1040 Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. Uh, we're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to play the Tony G interview that we did earlier this morning. A little bit later in the show, we'll give some time for you guys to interact. So this is your time right now, 604-280-1040-844-876-1040 is the toll-free number. Or hit us up in the Brain and Injury Law text message inbox, 104040, or live at tsn1040.ca is the email address. A couple of good questions uh, coming in here. We'll get to those, but Uncle Lalit has been holding the line uh, throughout the break. So the Uncle, the what is on? king. Yes. The king. The uncle is a lion. Yes. Did you know that? What's up? What's up, my boys? How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Uncle? Good. How is Uncle? Excellent. Excellent. Always uh, glad to have a chance to support you guys. Um, Thank you. I want to know, I wanna know uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk about Gajevich. How's his development been, number one? And number two, Uncle has been uh, uh, very hard on you, Levy, but I truly hope that uh, he's put all his uh, misfortunes behind him. And uh, he really, you know, tries to, uh, has a chance to really showcase what he has. And uh, the organization can also see what he has and make a decision on him going forward. All the best, guys. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Uncle. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as Gadjevich is concerned, I mean, yeah. as far as he Can't the, stay healthy. But as, yes, yes, absolutely. But as far as the HL is concerned, this is his chance now. Because you've lost Reed Boucher, mm -hmm. you've lost uh, Goldobin. Looks like you're probably going to lose Berchi as well. I think Louis Erickson might be joining him this year, but we'll see about that. But now's the time for Gadjevich. You're going to get yourself thrusted yeah. up the lineup. It's time to start uh, blanking or get off the pot. 
Uh, yeah, no, I tend to agree. I, I got to say, I'm on the Elite Prospects page right now, the best website in all of hockey, uh, looking at Jonah Gadjevich's profile. And have you ever done this, like looked at his profile on Elite Prospects? It's like the dude is, he, he looks like a hockey player, like he's covered in blood and it kind of matches with his style. He's a power forward. The, well, he the, was a big kid coming out of junior. Like, well, he, he looked was, like he was a, man. a man child. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. was the joke, too. I think his nickname was Man Child. Yeah. And he's six foot two. The big issue with Gadjevich has always been that his skating has not been at anywhere near yeah. an NHL level. And it's one of those things where a lot of people will project and they'll go, well, I think that we can fix this. We can set a plan. We can make sure that we address the, the deficiencies within his mechanical stride. And it doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of people will point to the Bo Horvats and they'll go, "Look, he improved his skating. Can't everybody do this?" What about Brendan Gauntz? Well, it doesn't the same thing apply to, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but doesn't the same thing sort of apply to Yule Levy that, you know, because of the injuries he's had, that it's affected his skating, and there's some that wondering if he can pivot with these high flyers in the NHL. Yeah, it's 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 it it's different. It's same same but different. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit recent for you, but uh, Croker's nodding along. Uh, it, it's the issue with Yule Levy has never really been his skating up until all of these injuries to his hip, uh, to his knee, to his back, and now he can't pivot. Now he's getting beat to the outside, and you know part of that I think has been a development that is the result of his injury too. I mean, if you want to talk about mechanically wherein the problem lies, if you keep your feet stationary, if you engage with your stick, and you're too far collapsed at your hips, I'm giving you some insight into the scouting process, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You collapse too heavily on your hips, it doesn't allow you the fluidity to move to your weak side or your strong side, right? And that's been the problem with Ewa Levy is that since he's had this surgery, he collapses so hard on his hips. He doesn't keep his feet moving as he contests entries. Like, these are the problems that the Canucks need to sort out. Uh, You know what, though? Like, let's not be quick to write him off entirely. I mean, you look at Tyler Myers. He's carved out a pretty fruitful NHL career. Uh, Oh, is that Drance on the line now? No, uh, never mind. Uh, No, Tyler Myers has carved out a Hmm. very great NHL career. I mean, whether you like the contract or not, he's somebody who cannot defend through the neutral zone. He can't defend in space. He is not a good one-on-one defenseman. And part of that is because his footwork, when he's defending the blue line, is at a very suboptimal level. So I I kind of feel like it's concerning. It's something that's going to limit his upside. It's going to limit how far up the lineup the Canucks can play him. But it's not necessarily a death knell unto itself if he can find enough value elsewhere. Boy, I'll tell you what, they they need him. You know, just as you, as yeah. far as the contracts are concerned as you know, the last caller that we had talking about the defense, you know, you kind of looking through your fingers when you're kind of looking at the way it's projecting yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to work out for them. Uh but yeah, they need him to and I'm stating the obvious to get into that lineup and prove that he can be an NHL player. Uh Stephen White Rocks on the line. Steve, what's on your mind today? Hi, a uh, question about uh, Elias Peterson. Um I, I only have the most superficial grasp of his statistics, basically games played, goals and assists. Yeah. And I know there's an awful lot more that can go into an, an analysis, and I'd like your feedback on that, because what I see is uh, of an extremely exciting first-year player who didn't alter his performance or improve, I should say, his performance in the second year really at all. And he's still a good performer. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying from year one to year two, I think games played, goals and assists, he's essentially identical. And it's still a good performance. It's just not um, 
It's not any kind of improvement. It's certainly not a meaningful or significant improvement. But based on what you know about more of the analytics numbers or maybe even something as simple as his points, goals, assists on the power play versus five on five, is he an improved player at all? I well, appreciate the call, uh, Steve. We'll put you on hold yeah. there so you can hear us. Uh, as far as the analytics, I'll let you uh, deal with that. But, hey, listen, when you've got a point a game, just under a point a game player in his two seasons in the NHL, you see the improved uh, defensive game as well from Pedersen. He's a, a, you know, a dog on a bone when it comes to hunting down the puck. I, I think he's made significant steps in his game. The point totals we know are already going to be there, but mm-hmm. his defensive game to me has taken uh, up another level, and I still think there's more to come with him. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, like, there is the rule of diminishing returns, right? Like, you can only do so well. And, of course, there's still room for Elias Pettersson to improve upon his point totals. There's room for him to improve as a two-way player. Getting stronger is going to make a huge difference. Huge. Like, we're, we're not yeah. even scratching the surface yeah. of where this kid can get. And, and I think that if you look at the underlying profile of Elias Pettersson, his two-way game took a huge step forward. He was playing yeah. more difficult minutes. And, and something that, that um, you know, if I'm going to be sincere for, for half a second here, uh, that Drance brings up when he writes about Green and his improvement as a coach this year was realizing that he needs to find a way to get you, uh, not you, Levy, Pedersen into hard those matchups, those yeah. hard matchups, yeah. the high leverage positions. Yep. And I think that that's a part of his development. I think we've seen it kind of creeping forward. And, and certainly the two-way numbers that I glean, they show that Elias Pedersen, in combination with his point totals, is a top five center in the NHL. Yeah. Like, in the NHL, and, and, there's and, and a legitimate case for Elias Pedersen as the MVP. I'll hear you on that, and I'll hear that case as well. Think about this, too. You know, Sidney Crosby, early in his career, struggled in the face-off dot. Pedersen, face-offs don't matter. I know, but Pedersen, well, <laughs> they do. Come on, not that I know. They definitely do. But you want to be an elite center in the league, you got to win in the face-off dot as well, and Pedersen is only going to improve there. You know yeah. he's the kind of player, too, that when he puts his mind on wanting to get better at something, whether you know we've seen with his shot, and I know that Botchford used to his, talk about that golf shot. over and over. He's, he's got great golf shots, good hands, that's why. But, uh, yeah, he's just going to get better and better. Uh, Steve? Do not be worried about Elias Pettersson. He is going to be one of the top 10 elite players in the NHL for a very long time. We're very lucky to have and I him. I will still die for that young man. Here in Vancouver. I will lay down my life. Hey, uh, this is interesting, Pete. Peter in the inbox. Gadjevic uh, scored one less goal than Cole Lynn. 23 ga- less games played, playing primarily bottom six. Lynn top six. And they don't come much tougher than Jonah. I think Gadjevic has a good chance to be an impact bottom six player. That's I said. That's from Peter in the inbox. One fewer goal. Uh, oh, Twenty-three God. fewer games played. Okay. Uh, what else we got here? Oh yeah, Vertanen for Jake Bean. Like you know, people find that so annoying. Like nobody like. You know, it's only you that that thinks that's cool. That's it. Croker was okay. laughing. No, that's a isn't that a Blake Price thing? I've heard him on the uh, fewer. And it's less also thing. a Stannis Baratheon thing. You you've seen Game yes. of Thrones, right? No, Grammar, we get I'm it. Howard. Yeah, uh, you no. haven't seen Game of Thrones? Nah. Wow, okay. you're older than okay. than Wadden on this one. But no, Stannis Baratheon is listening to Sir Davos give a speech in the hall, and he goes, "We've got less men," and you know, Stannis Baratheon goes fewer under his breath and yeah, it's a and very funny moment yeah yeah for you because people like you care about that sort of thing. all right let's get back jake for for jake bean fair 
Yeah, for the Canucks. Yeah, for the Canucks, exactly. <laughs> I mean, hey, a cost listen, controlled. You're right? running to the fax machine yeah. to get that one done. Actually, <laughs> let me double check that. Is Bean a righty or a lefty? Uh, you can look that up at the. T- uh, well, Does he oh, play my my favorite side, the left, or is he on the right? Let me double check here. I mean, whatever the case, even if he's a lefty, that's still huge value, right? Like you'd rather have a Jake Bean in your system. He is a lefty than a, a Ole Ulevi. So. Yeah, no, I think the Canucks take that trade in a heartbeat. Uh, High in Victoria has a question directed at you, J.D. Uh, Does Brad Lambert come to North America? He was drafted by the Saskatoon Blades in the import draft. He's one of the top prospects in the, oh, for the 2022 NHL draft. He is the top prospect for the 2022 NHL draft, and absolutely not. Like, sometimes in the CHL import draft, a team is just going to take a swing because they can, because they don't have an import spot that's taken up because they want to retain the, the player's rights as a trade asset, and I think that's what's happening with Brad Lambert. I mean, he's already played in the Finnish men's league, the Liga, as a 15-year-old with HIFK, and he was half a point per game in a very small sample. He is not going to be coming to North America, and the reason why is because he's going to be playing in the Finnish league full-time as early as next season. Book it. Top level. Top level. And, and he's going to perform very well because he is a freakish athletic talent like i got to see him firsthand at the helenka gretzky cup this year Mm -hmm. he is unreal like sublimely gifted he's giving up three years on most of the prospects there and on any given night he could have been the best player i saw throughout the entire tournament and a really fascinating story too and he he plays in finland but you'll note his name isn't especially finno-ugric it is very canadian in fact brad lambert very anglo-saxon there's a reason for that okay uh, his father is from, I believe, Canada and met his mother while they were, they, they kind of crossed paths in England, if, if memory uh, serves me correctly here, because I talked to him about his background. He could have stayed in Canada and he could have played for Team Canada, but he chose to go to Finland. Uh, what's this? Wadden hasn't watched Star Wars or Game of Thrones. This guy deserves a raise. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I think being a cultural hold, Luddite hold is cool. No, I've watched game of thrones though i i loved it i watched it start to finish oh. plus star wars i just haven't seen any of the i saw the first like the the three the 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 star wars to me the ones that came what return of the jedi empire strikes back and it's just playing star wars is it not yeah yeah well you look very disappointed while i explain well, it's, it's just upsetting no but i've seen those three though you've seen those three yeah sure, like i didn't have to see the rest did i yes Anyway, this guy, uh, he thought he was the only one. He hashtagged that. But you kind of are the only one, I guess. Although, have you seen all the Star Wars, Kroger? I have. Yeah. But not, like, intently. Yeah, like, JD... So so I'm kind of like this guy, honestly. Well, JD's, like, he's, like, insulted that you can't, like, you know... Right. Like, uh, I don't know. Are you going to be able to finish the rest of the show there, JD? You okay with that? All right. I don't know. Text Trev and see if I if I will be able. Just just take (laughs) take a minute here. All right, guys, we're going to break a little bit early here because we want to get all the Tony G uh, interview in that we did earlier this morning. You guys are going to want to hear this. Hockey Hall of Famer Tony Gallagher coming up next right here on Rinkwide, the show that always scores on TSN 1040. I guess right now we should start the show. You're listening to Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden. J.D. Burke here with you. I wanted to say thank you to everyone that uh, called in, sent a text message in. I, I like the email. one that uh, Uncle sent in. I thought that was a great text. Oh, the uh, the tweet. 
It was a tweet. Or yeah, a tweet. They my tweeted apologies. at me. Where where are my manners? Yeah. See, like a producer that's listening to us would have played that drop right then and there, but yeah, you know, he would have. He's not listening to us now. He's scrambling to find yeah, the audio. The last so. thing I want to touch on you or touch with you is the. Uh, that was during Harmon Dial's interview. Harmon and I are close, all right? Evidently. Maybe not that close. It's a slip-up, that's all. Thanks to uh, Uncle Elite for pointing that out on Twitter. Really appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact that a Hockey Hall of Famer came on our show. Yeah, yeah. Not you, by the way, either. <laughs> I don't think you're going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, we'll see you going to go that. out on a limb with that one, but... I don't think you're going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, Tony Gallagher, recently inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, joined us this morning. We taped the interview, and we started off by saying, well, Tony, thanks for slumming it here on the weekends with us two guys. Well, that's kind of you to have me, actually. Uh, You know, it's Saturday and uh, Friday are similar to me now that I've retired, and so there's not a huge quantitative difference or qualitative difference either, but it's always fun to get on and... uh, chat with people who understand the game and uh, get a sense of its history and so on, and I know both of you do. And speaking of history, Tony, I want, I want to walk down that road a little bit with you later on here in the interview, but uh, let's just start with the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, I heard you on the station earlier this week saying, you know, it was an honor and that you were surprised that it, at, it actually happened for you. But when you reflect back now and take a look at your career, I mean, this is the kind of career that, you know, this is a Hall of Fame career in itself. Um, just talk about the phone call and the moment you realized, hey, wow, I'm a Hockey Hall of Fame member. Well, it took a while. I really was stunned because, uh, you know, when they put uh, Larry Brooks in, and Brooks and I have been friends, and I, I, I was really applauding that decision to put Larry in because he's broken a ton of stories. He's... You know, he's uh, miffed on the odd one, too, and made some mistakes. And uh, uh, most of the people who uh, are competing against him never tire of telling him about his errors. But uh, he's done a great job, and he's definitely pointed out the foibles of the league over the years, as I did as well. And I thought once Larry got in, that's great. That'll close it up for another 10 years for a bleep disturber. By that time, I'll be long forgotten, and someone else will be along. Someone like Jason Botchford would have been there or something, you know. Uh, But uh, not that he's that big a disturber, but it's not kind of a disturbing time right now. The game is pretty entertaining, and, uh, you know, they've picked it up a little bit. I don't know whether it'll go uh, out of entertainment again like it has swung through the ages, but we shall see. However, uh, you know, I thought once he got in in 17, I think it was, that would close it up for a long, long while. So I wasn't really expecting it. I was really quite stunned for five to seven minutes there. Um, there were times earlier when I thought, you know, yeah, I should I should make it, you know, because I'd done it for so long and I'd broken a ton of stories and I was well-known and all that sort of thing, but... Uh, it takes uh, it takes a lot of hard work to get noticed out on the west coast. I can tell you, if you're from Toronto or Montreal, you got a way better chance. I would say. And Tony, one of the things that really sticks out for me when I think about your legacy and and everything you did in this market was a fearlessness, a, a braveness that isn't necessarily commonplace uh, among everybody who shares our craft, right? And no, it's you know, staggeringly in short supply, and it's. Uh, 
it's a little off-putting at times, I think. Not that I want to castigate anybody in particular. Each person kind of behaves according to their own character and so on, and I don't want to pin a medal on myself either. I mean, there were times when uh, I was a little, you know, semi-intimidated a little bit, but uh, uh, there could be powerful forces brought against you. I mean, my career could have ended two or three, four times uh, just based on the whim of a decision of somebody in power. And um, for whatever reason, they chose uh, chose the courageous path, and I was able to continue. So you need some breaks, especially in this environment. Uh, you know, when corporations' revenues are failing sometimes, and, uh, you know, newspaper industry, for instance, is beginning to collapse or has well begun to collapse and is just basically imploding. Uh, I'm not sure that were I in the same situations as I was in the past, that uh, the outcome would have been the same and my career could well have been 20 years instead of 40 or 45 well, what what a form what informed rather that that approach? Because I mean, like we've pointed out, it is relatively unique among the people who share this industry, and and certainly you spoke to the changing dynamics within newsrooms within the the landscape of media as a whole. But even so, I mean, there must have been moments for you where it would have been so much easier to be less controversial. It would have been so much yeah, easier. Yeah, it would have been and more punches. profitable too. You'd have had more economic opportunities and. Uh, my wife and I, Susan, who's been around for uh, donkey's years herself, and we've been together enjoying this kind of ride, uh, we talked about it a lot. You know, geez, you know, we could have made a lot more money and written for this publication or done that uh, and been invited to various parties and all this sort of thing had we had we not taken the, the principled stand. It was really more me than anything Um you know, being uh, being like that. But it's just, I thought it should be ethical and should be, um, you know, like the other parts of the news media, not, um, you know, friendly, buddy-buddy and everything and backslapping and, uh, you know, that uh, sports should be held up to the same level of media scrutiny as was the rest of business and the rest of politics and so on during the time. Now, of course, you're starting to get the cronyism in politics as well, and uh, it's it's really kind of the newspaper business is becoming kind of a, I don't know, I won't say it. I mean, there's still some really good journalists around. Uh, I don't want to impugn them, but it really is changing, and I think uh, people need to be very, very conscious of those changes, and people need to fight it. Uh, they really need to... Uh, to become less partisan and, and more down the middle of the road. Talking to Tony Gallagher, Hockey Hall of Fame member, Tony Gallagher. No introduction really needed for you, Tony, here in this market. Uh, I want to ask you, though, as you progress through the years, when you look back and reflect on your career, do you realize the influence you had on many of the sports writers that have now come up and had success in this market? Of course, Jason Botchford would be someone that was very close to you, but there's others as well. My colleague here, J.D. Burke, I would say, would be one of them. Thomas Drance as well. Uh, you must be proud of that, to know that these writers, these young writers at the time, you know, were influenced by you and have now progressed to be the people and writers that they are today. My heavens, yes. Um, not that I'm I'm proud of it because I, I don't really deserve any of the 
credit for a lot of these good young guys coming on and uh you know they they're so analytical and uh like Drancer is en- enormously entertaining as well as smart um the experience he got within the club has been a huge benefit for him yeah there's been a lot of guys come up to me and mention that I've been a big influence and it's extremely flattering I have to say uh, whether I deserve their accolades and praise, I was just trying to do the best I could every day, and I, I know that they read me because there were, you know, there were fewer alternatives as people grew up, and um, you know, in this market and so on, we tended to be a little isolated on the mountains, like in in sort of the 80s and 90s, and then again, once the internet got going, it, it opened up considerably more, but. Uh, you know, to write or to hear about the team that you followed, which was the Canucks, there were fairly uh, a few number of voices, and I guess I was most among the more prominent. So, yeah, it's very flattering, and when I see guys that are, I think are really good and have potential, um, I really would, you know, really do anything to help them because I think it's very, very important um, that good journalists continue to emerge no matter what the vehicle they're using. If they're good quality journalists, they're going to shine in this environment. And uh, I think we're seeing some of that. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, uh, you know, more would be good. And uh, and more always, you know, when there's a competitive environment of really good people, uh, that's when the market is really rich, and it doesn't hurt the club either. It may hurt particular individuals in certain situations, you know, like general managers who are looking to cling to a job or something. Those are the people that tend to feel injured, tend to feel uh, as though they've been wrongly uh, dealt with. But for the most part, I think everyone is healthier and the fans have a healthier view of the of the team and of the league and of the sport and uh, of of sports in general. And speaking of those relationships between reporters and and the team itself, do you think there's any that the public perception of has wrong with regards to how you communicated and related to the club? I mean, I think about the combative uh, nature of your relationship with, for example, Brian Burke uh, and 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 Pat Quinn and some of the Canucks GMs of past. Do you think that people fully understood those relationships? Because I kind of find uh, in a similar vein when I'm reporting, right, people will be like, oh, the Canucks must hate J.D. Burke. And it's like, well, I've actually spoken to a few of them on the side, and that's not the case. Do you think anybody got your relationships with the team wrong, and you ever feel like you were wrongly, uh, you had aspersions cast on your work or anything to that? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, I mean, uh, people would misapprehend the re- some of the relationships I had. You know, for the most part, the relationship I had with Pat Quinn was not very good at all. Um, it, uh, it, it was at one time very good, and then Quingate happened in 89, which, of course, he uh, took the money from the Canucks and signed a contract to work for the Vancouver Canucks while he was still fully employed during the season by the Los Angeles Kings for uh, many of our younger listeners who may not know the history of the story. And uh, that blew up into a big scandal. And um, and Pat stayed in L.A. and 
uh, and during the aftermath of that, and uh, I wrote largely supportive things of his decision, although, you know, it was clearly wrong, and I pointed that out. But uh, uh, anyways, I was happy that Vancouver was getting a first high-quality manager and so on, but he never saw any of that stuff in in the old days. And when he got to Vancouver... Um, he was sour at all the media because what he had been reading about stuff in L.A. where he remained living until he moved up here. And, of course, it was all negative there because he'd stabbed the kings in the back. So Pat was kind of sour at the media. And then, of course, I take oftentimes a critical approach to things. And when Pat first got here, they got off to a slow start. Bob McCammon was coaching. They had... Uh, some issues. They didn't have a great team, and um, it took a while for them to get going. And so I was uh, still a little bit critical, and he took exception to that. And our relationship was never good. With Brian Burke, we, it was fits of of acrimony and then fits of uh, peace and getting along, and we'd be perfectly fine. And, uh, you know, he... I was not one of his favorites by any stretch, but there were times when we got along and I was, you know, I would call him and get his reaction to certain things and it was reasonably professional and then other times when he didn't want to talk to me. So it was it was in fits and starts with him and with Pat uh, was never very good and it just got worse and worse and uh, got worse right to the end, unfortunately. We were never able to make peace, although I made every effort. Um, and I'm sad about that. I really am, because I think he's a good man. And um, But, um, you know, we'll have to try and make peace uh, in an afterlife, I hope so. But, it's it. you know, there are many misapprehensions about one's relationship with a player. I'd often rip players, too, and... Uh, underperformance and they were sour they would uh, they come right at you and say would you write this for you you can't say that and uh, you know you'd see these guys all the time on the bus and everything and you just explain your position explain why you wrote it and uh, that's the way it was and um, you know change my mind and uh, you know improve your performance and you know obviously I'm going to write things uh, better about you so yeah, I think that in in some cases the coaches enjoyed having a fairly critical guy around, knowing that I would give it to players if they were underperforming or or just point out their lack of performance. You know, that helps the team. You know, if they know that uh, they don't have a a real friendly reporter there that's going to applaud like a trained seal regardless of how they perform, the coaches really enjoy that actually. But coaches don't like to have their own decisions criticized either, so it's a bit of a double-edged sword in their hand for sure. Tony, uh, in this market, there's always the debate between 94-2011. You went through them both. Which team to you was the superior Canucks team? Oh, there's not. I don't think there's any doubt that the 211 team was the better team, uh, but they got a zillion injuries. The 94 team was solid. They had only about a 500 year, remember. And then they got, uh, they got hot and played extremely well for an extended period and, and performed very well. But the teams they were beating, I mean, the Dallas and the Leafs, those teams weren't particularly good. 
they didn't have great goaltending. Felix Potvin, and I mean, it wasn't the strongest. The Leafs, the Leafs had gone seven games prior to engaging the Canucks. Well, the Canucks had only gone five against Dallas, so they were well rested. Um, they had some advantages on in that account. They kind of pounced on the Leafs in the third round. Uh, so uh, I don't think there's any question which was the stronger team. The, the two eleven Canucks were one of the strongest teams I think of the uh, of the new era of this of of the twenty or the twenty first century. Other than the uh, the two ten Blackhawks, I think the two eleven Canucks were next strongest of all teams uh, in uh, in this year or in this uh, decade or well whatever it is millennium so far, but uh, they just got so many injuries. It was just one after another, boom, boom, boom. And, I mean, they were just on absolute fumes. That Game 7 lineup was basically a bunch of uh, adhesive tape skating around. There was just nobody there. And Boston wasn't, wouldn't have had a chance had the Canucks been healthy in that series. Okay, one more here for you. I've always wanted to know your opinion on this. Who's the greatest Canuck you've ever seen play? Is it as simple as saying the Sedins, or perhaps you have somebody else? Well, I, for me, the guy with the greatest character, the greatest every night playing great under the most unreasonable circumstances was Stan Smeal. Uh, he, was, he went out, played his guts out every night when the team was hopelessly out of the playoffs when they had a a team that wasn't very good at all everybody knew it they weren't going anywhere that that to me was um just professionalism of the highest order in terms you know when you start i mean stan wasn't the most talented guy in the world although he was gifted he had 38 goal seasons and so on but um at the same time, you know, he also played on a on that team that got to the Stanley Cup final in '82. They had their time, and they had he had a taste of uh, a little bit of success as well. So that was nice for him. Um, but I mean, you're you're looking obviously at the Sedins. Uh, for me, uh, in straight ability, never a chance to prove himself was Billy Durlego. I often wax on about what a great player he would have been. I think he would have been a fantastic Vancouver Canuck. People have no idea how good he was. He started in in the minors. They brought him up midway through the season, and he played nine games for the Canucks before Dennis Potvin uh, just mashed his knee up and uh, basically ruined his career. I mean, Billy came back, played a lot of years in the league, and made some money, but all the joy that he had in the game was gone. Uh, it was like uh, it was like Michael Jordan getting an Achilles heel uh, severing early in the first year of his career, in the first nine games of his career. After blossoming on the scene, he tears his Achilles and is never the same. He plays in the league, but is not Michael Jordan. That's exactly what happened to Billy Durlego. Um And then, of course, yeah, the Sedins. Uh, you know, the the rest are pretty obvious, I think, um, from there. But those are the guys who I like to point out that often get short shrift in uh, a lot of these historical uh, 
remembrances of the Canucks. Well, Tony, we appreciate you taking the time today. Congratulations once again on your induction into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh, hopefully down the road, uh, we'll be talking to you again here on Rinkwide. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. That's the legend himself, Tony Gallagher, here on Rinkwide with us. I had someone in the uh, inbox email me, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. suggesting that I didn't have the poll to get Tony G on our show. Well, emailer, what do you got to say now? Uh, that was me, actually. It probably was. It probably was. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my alts. Probably was. <laughs> uh, guys, on the other side, we've had one of the best voter turnouts Uh We've ever had here on uh, Rinkwide slash Sports Saturday with one of our poll questions. We'll mm. fill you in on what that poll question was and who's leading it on the other side. It's Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. Now more of Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watton. Hey, welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores one last segment to go here before we give way to Karen Sermon and the best of the highlight reel. So you're going to want to keep it locked here on TSN 1040 throughout the day. So much good programming here on the station, even if one of the shows does include J.D. Burke. But um, yeah, what's up? Nonetheless, J.D. Burke is on our poll question today. We asked you who was is. The biggest bleep disturber in Vancouver sports media. Now, we asked this because of our last guest, Tony Gallagher, referring to himself as a bit of a bleep disturber and, of course, one of the iconic beat writers here uh, in Vancouver. So he is a part of the list. Tony Gallagher. The late Neil McRae is a part of the list. The late Jason Botchford is a part of the list. And some guy named J.D. Burke, also part of the list. Close to 1,900 votes. No, actually, no, 1,850 just under, just a if, shade if you under. Round up. Yeah, two. Yeah, to, to, there we yeah. go. Thirty-seven point two percent of the vote is going to Neil McRae right now. So, still got some time. About twenty hours left on this poll. Head over to at TSN ten forty and cast your vote. Uh, some parting shots, JD Burke, as we uh, head into this. Well, July fourth weekend. I know it's a yeah. big day for you, Independence Day. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's... You, you, do ha- you don't have an American flag on your head today. Nah, but uh, nah, rocking uh, a yeah. Palestinian one there in you solidarity go. Yes. with my brothers and sisters in Palestine. Um, my, my parting thoughts would be directed towards, uh, to, to, towards Tony Gallagher's legacy. And, yeah. and, and of course, like I, I, I think that the question that I asked him in that last segment about the perception of his relationships with the team was really kind of close to to my heart in a in a way because I think a lot of people, you know, put out jokes that I'm going to get red weddinged by the Canucks or whatever, and it's like I actually see them all the time. Like even even if I'm not in Rogers Arena, when I'm at the World Junior A Challenge, I see the Canucks. When I'm at the Holinka Gretzky, I see the Canucks. And you see them side-eyeing you. Yeah, well, no, we have very cordial conversations, right? They but always wave at you, but it's one finger. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't no. get that. No, no, shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to be sincere for Oh, once. okay, sorry. Yeah, it's hard, it's yeah, hard to, thank uh, you. determine what's what. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, <laughs> it's just interesting because I find that a lot of people have, like, imposed their perception of, of our relationship as one way where the reality is so much different. You know, between like 
myself and the team and I think about Tony and how many people view hey, him as yeah. like this guy who was probably hated by the team and they had snipers outside his hotel on the road. Not like, the case whatsoever. No. And and the, and the best part was, you know, he talked he did talk about his relationships. And if you missed any of it, guys, we'll have the... Like, the, the fans are bigger babies in, a, in response to a lot of this criticism than the yeah. team. We'll have the interview up uh, on its own uh, at tsn1040.ca, uh, also on Twitter as well. But I loved what he talked about with his relationships with Brian Burke, his relationship with Pat Quinn. The fact that he, you know, never really got to resolve things with Quinn uh, was tough. But I've also heard stories, too, where, you know, it was contentious between the two of uh, uh, Tony and, and Brian Burke. And then, you know, years later that you see them, you know, chatting with each other and, and hanging out. I mean, honestly, I think some people in, outside of media don't understand that this is, it's a job for everybody. And at well, the, I'm not at, here at, to make any friends. No, and at some point, too, Neither you kind of have to, no, but at some point, too, you kind of have to put that aside a little bit and just realize that, yeah, there still can be friendships as well outside of maybe differing, differing opinions, basically. Well, I mean, like, if, if the team hated me, I wouldn't lose any sleep. I'll tell you that right now. And that's because I'm in the industry of reporting my truth my analysis and as long as as long as it's fair and reasoned and can be backed up i don't think anybody should take issue with that should they all right and that's where we'll leave things right here uh jd enjoy your july 4th i know you're going to be out there setting off fireworks and you know enjoying the day no you're not going to be doing that today no okay yeah. anyway to our american friends enjoy uh independence day july 4th in down in the states uh everybody Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll be back with you next Saturday. If I'm not fired. It's been Rinkwide, the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. Open seven days a week, three blocks east of Coquitlam Center in beautiful Port Coquitlam. MetroMotors.com.